You know what's better than showing the money, DK? Show me the football. Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you got it. Watch local and primetime NFL games on your phone or tablet all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Get the Yahoo Sports mobile app and you are golden. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I'm joined by my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. How you doing, DK? DH, how's it going, man? I'm doing excellent today. I am great, man. Uh, I just slayed the boss man Bill Simmons in the Ringer Fantasy League this week. <laughs> I will be honest, it kind of made my day. Are you guys still uh, undefeated? We are undefeated. I know wow. everyone cares deeply about this. You guys um, are the Rams of the Ringer Fantasy League right now. Yeah, but I know everyone cares deeply about this, so we can move on. But before we <laughs> hop into our first segment, I did want to mention one thing, that some housekeeping. While we were preparing for this podcast, you referred to interceptions in passing as ints. <laughs> like INTs, but you read like it out. How you, it's how like you know, see how you see how it's written, and that's like it. You never actually say it out loud, and it came out. It was kind of weird to say. My first reaction was, "What the hell is that's dumb?" And my second was, "I kind of like it." <laughs> but I'm well, not going to do TDs. It. You say TDs. Yeah, that's and ints. I don't know. I'm curious what weird, the people listening think about this. I feel like it's a very divisive issue. Picks. Picks is better. Yeah. Well. Like I'm, I think it's probably a very divided thing. I feel like there's no middle ground. People were like indifferent. But anyway, uh, we <laughs> we can hop into our our first segment. Some initial advice, guys, that we think uh, might strike gold this week. Probably right. sitting on your bench, not sure if you can throw them in or not. Uh, so shall we dive in, DK? Yeah, we're gonna do it a little bit differently today. I'm gonna just give you three guys to start off with, and then we're gonna kind of change things up for the second half of this segment. So I'm gonna start off with Taylor Gabriel, wide receiver of the Bears. Um, obviously. People kind of coming into the season did not know what to expect from this Bears offense. Obviously, how the you know the target distribution was going to go, whether Anthony Miller was going to be a bigger part of the offense, you know where Allen Robinson kind of stood. It's kind of started to look like Taylor Gabriel is the number two in that offense. Last week, he had, or I should say, on Sunday, he had five catches, 110 yards, to build on a nice Week Four performance when he had seven catches, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, right now, he's second on the team in targets, second in air yards. And I guess we're assuming the Bears offense doesn't just totally crater after having two really strong outings. Um, but I think Gabriel at this point is probably worth an ad. He could even be worth putting in your starting lineup right now. He's only 22% owned in Yahoo and 32% in ESPN. So he seems like a guy that has gotten you know steady targets, steady production, and is kind of like getting in on the ground floor if the Bears offense is going to kind of keep taking off from where we are now. I, I think I'm optimistic a little bit about the Bears offense right now. So he's he's a guy that's on my radar. Yeah, he has better ball skills than I ever gave him credit for. I always kind of thought of him as like that deep dude, he, uh, the deep threat in the Falcons offense. Um, mm-hmm. But there are so many moments watching the Bears where I think, wow, what an amazing catch from Allen Robinson. And he gets up and it's Taylor Gabriel. Uh, he's really great <laughs> yeah. to watch. It's, it's truly impressive. And obviously, you know, it's four teams on by this week. So you could definitely do a lot worse than Gabriel. And the Bears get the Bears get the Patriots this week. So that is going to be kind of a fun, uh, you know, fun match with the Patriots and not haven't necessarily had a lockdown defense thus far this year. And so uh, I'm really looking forward to that game. My second guy this week, Chris Godwin of the Buccaneers. It was actually really surprising to see that he's only 44% owned in Yahoo, 39 ESPN. Um, you know, he's kind of turning into one of the Buccaneers' top red zone guys. Last week he had 
nine targets, six catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I was a little bit worried kind of like how he would fit in when Winston took over because obviously he was one of Fitzgerald's top guys, but it just kind of, you know, just kind of depends on the quarterback a little bit, but still looks like he's a big part of that offense right now. He's second on the team in targets, 31, tied Deshaun Jackson, first in touchdowns, four, third in air yards. He leads the team in red zone opportunities so far with eight. Um, it's kind of just crazy to me that he's not more than 50% owned at this point. Yeah, he's fantastic. And again, like another deep threat that when you're a deep threat, and you're able to add in the red zone to it. We've talked about how great right. Cameron Braid is and they have a lot of great red zone weapons, but he's someone that isn't in the category of if he doesn't catch a 60-yard touchdown, he's useless because he can still do the underneath routes. He's a, he's really impressed this year. He is a big, you know, strong receiver with really good body control. And I think that's why he excels in the red zone. Uh, he's one of those guys that's just on the come up. I think he's going to be a star at some point down the, down the line. Obviously, kind of a packed situation in the Buccaneers receiving core. But at the same time, I mean, this team is going to have to be passing a ton. They had 500 plus yards last week, total yards, and they're going to be behind. Their defense is just atrocious this year. By far the worst defense in the NFL. They so just fired Mike Smith, their defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going to change anything. We'll see. Yes. But so far, yeah, they're just getting in a ton of shootouts. So he's a guy to have. My third guy is a little bit deeper um, deeper dive into the, the waiver wire, but I'm going with Jermaine Kurtz to the Jets going up against the Vikings this week. Right now, he's only owned in 1% of Yahoo leagues and ESPN leagues. Um, I saw Mike Clay point this out on Twitter last week, and I think it's an interesting thing that could be worth monitoring right now. Curse is kind of, you know, as, as he got back into the lineup, he's started to run most of his routes from the slot and you know, as full-time Craig would say, it's never not a great thing when a receiver gets moved to the slot. Like, what getting your receiver moved to the slot is like the best thing. It's for like one of those football. infomercials where there's cream that makes your skin look younger and your hair look better, <laughs> and you just like your eyes are brighter, and like you know what I mean. It's like the before after, and you're, everything about it, you're tan. That's the slot. Yeah. It makes everything about you better. So per PFF, Curse has run 33 snaps from the slot in the last two weeks. That's 78 percent of his snaps. Um, and that's pushed Anunua out into the outside a little bit more. Anunua ran 69% of his snaps from the slot in weeks one through four. So he's kind of getting pushed to the outside a little bit. And Curse is getting a volume bump because of that. And now Anunua was really banged up. I think he had an ankle injury this week. And he's kind of battling a couple other things. So if you look at, you know, if you're looking for where you're going to get production in that Jets offense, I think Curse is a guy to potentially add at this point, maybe even start this week. Uh, last do you have any, do you have any on, lingering thoughts or emotions since he obviously was traded from your <laughs> beloved Seahawks about the man? He was always one of those guys that was just really sort of uh, the prototypical possession receiver. Like he would make one big play a game. And then prototypical or typical? <laughs> Two, maybe, yeah, maybe just typical. Okay. Uh, he, was, he was a very whelming receiver. Uh, you know, <laughs> he had, I've never heard anyone say what he was like one of those guys a, that just make a lot of big plays with the Seahawks but at times you disappear too but I don't know he's he's. I think he's a veteran guy he can run routes um, you I, know he's he's a big guy so I, I like him for this in this scenario last week he had 10 <laughs> targets 9 catches 94 yards and I mean last year he was one of their top receivers he had 102 targets 65 catches 810 yards and 5 touchdowns so 
I mean, he has a history of production, too. I can't believe you just called a grown man whelming. That's like, <laughs> that's like when I'm trying to subtle throw shit, I'll, I'll do like bless your heart or whatever. But whelming is, oh, my God, that's the most <laughs> yeah, subtle burn drop, I've you ever. You do drop the bless your heart thing. That's, that's way more condescending. Whelming. Oh, my God. Okay. Jeez. That's like, never. If you ever call me whelming, I might just like have a nervous <laughs> breakdown. Anyway, uh, on to mine for this week. Uh, I went a little untraditional this week because I was kind of looking at, you know, obviously we, we we like to exploit matchups when we can and where we mm-hmm. think there's a possibility. And I just, there's an eclipse on the horizon. I don't know if you know this. Uh, I did not. And it has to do with a star landing in Cleveland, Ohio, DK. So, <laughs> okay. I am, you know, in DFS, there's obviously this concept of stacking mm-hmm. where, you know, if you think a team's going to do well, then, you know, get the quarterback, receiver, running back, whatever you think the whole lot, you know, get a part of the rising tide. There is a stack worthy in real fantasy football uh, for the next month. It is the Cleveland Browns and their passing game. Here are the worst five defenses in football. The bottom five in terms of how much passing yards they've allowed. Which we had a whole argument about most or least. It's the teams who've allowed the five most passing yards. (laughs) Dead last are the Chiefs, then the Bucks, the Falcons, then the Bengals, and the Steelers. Here are the Browns' next five opponents. The Bucks, (laughs) the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Falcons, bye week, the Bengals. This is crazy. They are yeah. literally facing the next five opponents are literally the bottom five in passing yards. Uh, or top five, depending on your perspective. <laughs> this is an eclipse. It's unbelievable. And you can and they're not really flukes either. It's the Buccaneers. I mean, they just fired their coordinator. You know, the three rookies in the secondary don't can't really get a pass rush, even though spending money yeah, all the season. Pass rush has not come yeah. around. The yeah. Steelers can't tackle. Uh, the the Chiefs can't. The Chiefs have a decent pass rush, maybe the least talented secondary in football right now. They've right, had some injuries. Right. The Falcons are probably the most injured defense in football. They've lost basically four of their best five players. And the Bengals, the Bengals are probably underperforming. If there's anyone that might regress, but those are all yeah, amazing offenses yeah. that put up points and cannot score. Uh, so basically, I'm I'm basically so saying five that straight shootouts. There are a bunch of Browns that are worth having in your team through Week 12, which is basically to the doorstep of the fantasy football playoffs. So we, I wanted to just concisely run through those dudes and which ones. Obviously, starting with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. He's owned an under 50% of Yahoo and ESPN. Uh, he was hobbled with an ankle injury this week. I think he'll be fine. Maybe that cuts down on how great his rushing will be, but I don't think it's a big deal. He didn't do great, but right. the Ravens are— he, You know, he hasn't done great against the Ravens or the Chargers, but those are good defenses. Uh, the common thread among those teams and why they get up so much passing yards is for various reasons. They have massive passing windows. They allow massive passing windows. And in the Steelers and Chiefs case, Steelers and Chiefs case, a ton of yards after the catch. All Baker did in college was hit massive passing window. He, <laughs> he's, he's so great at that. It's his bread and butter. Uh, and in, in the Bucks and Falcons case, they don't really have a pass rush either. So he's going to have plenty of time. I, yeah, I'm with you on Baker. I yeah. mean, he hasn't done a lot yet. Like it, no. his numbers have been, shall we say, whelming. But whelming, yeah, it's, he's been whelming. But this is going to be <laughs> great. I love this word. What a, it's so exciting. It's saying you're new in the lexicon. But I mean, I still think he changed. I still think he changes that offense. He's, I think he's an electric player. He's a really good passer. I mean, he's number one. The team is number one in the NFL in drops. I think right now. Um, so his receivers have really kind of been letting him down. Hopefully that changes going forward a little bit. So. I don't know. I'm still really high on Mayfield. Quarter, you know, quarterback is obviously super deep, and it's certainly possible he's not worth playing for this week. I think he's legit like a must-add with this schedule, and there's a real possibility he could be worth playing every single week for the next four and then that six week after that. Yeah. I think he's Particularly in like two quarterback or super yeah. flex leagues. Yeah, and for he, sure. Oh, two. Yeah, no question. Uh, well, we'll see, we'll see how he does, but 
he's amazing. Now, who's going to be catching those passes? First one, I think Jarvis Landry is a huge buy low. He's ninth in air yards. He's sixth in the whole league in targets. Um, did not have a great game this week. Two catches on nine tar- uh, targets. But of the top yeah. 25 leaders in targets right now, uh, he's uh, sixth, but he's the only one of the top 25 who's catching under 50% of his targets. Uh, there's some chicken in the egg there about whether that's because he's running some deeper routes. But I think he's going to regress back, and he's going to get way better. So I think... Like, I have him in a couple leagues, and I can certainly see how some owners might be willing to part with him. I would oh, grab yeah, him this week sure. before he has a bounce-back game. Um, the other one, and this is the more interesting one and more and probably important for everyone listening, Antonio Callaway, he's yeah. their de facto number two. Now, here's the thing. I have defended him. You've kind of questioned whether he can catch or not. I admit, I was wrong. His no, hands, I've defended him too, for sure. I, I was really high on him, you know, to start out. It's so. not so sometimes you can just kind of throw a label as like, oh, like he doesn't have great hands, and that can be all encompassing. For me, we talk about great catch radiuses. He doesn't have an awesome one. He missed a touchdown this week on a thing that he just didn't really play the ball right in the air and the the quarter of a second process that's like amazing body movement to actually go from turning your route, yeah. boxing out the defender, leaping at the point of catch, and then contorting your body, which is I mean, I can't even imagine actually doing. Um, but he's not really there yet at the NFL level, and he leaves a lot of those downfield balls. On the ground. Right. Having So normally I'd say, I don't like him. But they have nobody else. Uh, Josh Gordon's gone, obviously. Rashard Higgins is out for at least the next week or two. Derek Willies is on IR. Damian Ratley is concussed. Rod Streeter is a stinger. They signed Brashad Perriman, who was like a ghost in Baltimore. They oh, don't have, they? Any, oh, yeah, they don't have anyone else to do this. He's going to be their number two. They're going to keep going to him. If they started him in a preseason game, like a couple days after he, w- he like got pulled over for a car, they're not pulling him. Um, they clearly believe in him. I think you're going to keep trotting him out there. I think he's another guy that I would add. Maybe not start yet, but you have to add him for the stretch because he's he could shred these guys every Absolutely. week. Um, right now, so he right now he is. I think I saw this coming into last week. He was dead last in DVOA among receivers. Like he's just had a ton of opportunities, but like you said, just continues I'm, to drop I'm, passes. He's young enough. I'm willing to bank on going against the numbers right now, just because the amount of opportunity on the forefront because again these are like you think about the Chiefs or the Steelers teams that are slow that cannot tackle and maybe he's look and never mind if he starts catching those bombs 60 yards down the field but he's also like that Albert Wilson type that you kind of think he's going to get the ball and he's going to just break one and at the very least even if you're not going to play him at the very least you want him to have that breakout game on your bench instead of on the waiver wire so that everyone else has shot at him and there's such a high chance of him having that breakout game so soon um, I'd really grab him now. If yeah, I mean, we talk it, about we talk about volume all the time, yeah. and the volume is there. So yeah, we'll do. And now here the flip side: if he can't do it and he just keeps screwing up, Rashard Higgins when he comes back and he I think has an MCL injury. MCL, um, yeah. I, I'll be real. I don't know how knees work. I don't know when MCLs. I, I don't know. MCL is like a two to four week thing. I think. Yeah. Usually. I, who knows what that ever means? Uh, that's what they said about OJ. Depends. So yeah. when. He comes back. If Callaway's really still underperformed, I'd grab Higgins. But for now, we'll do Callaway. And then last. Again, the same thing of we're, all these passing opportunity, but Callaway's not trustworthy. None of these guys are healthy. Duke Johnson. I will scream it from the rooftops. Uh, High drivers have been yes. running more. He's He's been, he's gotten a lot of his rushing volume taken away, but I think that he's going to come back. The game scripts and the game flows will favor him more. They'll be passing more. He'll be on the field more. I also think they'll be targeting more. Because they have no receiver depth, he is one of the few running backs who can really line up in the slot as a legit quality slot receiver. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he has to come off in these games when Chubb or Hyde is in the game. And I think he's going to get more dump-offs, but also more design stuff, more screens, 
more wheel routes. The think setting them up the skirt uh, up the seam like the Chiefs do with right. Kareem Hunt. Way more designed stuff when they're going to be looking to add all these passing plays to their playbook, but they don't know who to do it. I think Duke Johnson's huge, and he's owned in I think under forty percent of leagues, uh, under almost a third in Yahoo. Um, for a team, for a team that has such a need at receiver and so many. You know, such a need for playmakers on their offense right now. It's crazy to me that they haven't been using Johnson as a receiver more. Like, just put him out there in two two running back sets, and like you said, use him as a slot receiver or whatever. Because, I mean, right now they're just they're they're they need someone who's going to make plays, and yeah, they just yeah. have been severely underusing Johnson. So yeah, I'm with you. And I, I have similar bullish thoughts on Njoku, but he's probably not. He's probably owned in your league and not going to be able to be traded. Yeah. But again, on the Duke Johnson thing, just to say it one more time, I believe he was, and full-time Craig can correct me if I'm wrong, I think 14th overall among running backs in, four, in full PPR last year. He's unowned in two-thirds of leagues. Not right. there. And again, the bottom five passing defenses are their next five games. <laughs> that is crazy. So, yeah, there you go. There, stack like the it. Browns th- uh, until Thanksgiving. I'm into it. I mean, I really like that. Uh, I like the look forward thing. I never, I hardly ever look at anything beyond like one week. So that's really smart. I like it. You know, once Bill Belichick was asked, how did you go 16 and 0? And he laughed. He said, we didn't go 16 and 0. We went 1 and 0 16 times. That is fantasy football. <laughs> All right. We will move on, DK. But before that, let's take a quick break. Football season is underway. Yes, it is. And DK already has major regrets about his season-long fantasy teams. It's just rude, yeah. I'm sure most of you fantasy players feel the same way if you've been listening to DK. Uh, You spend all off-season researching and getting excited for the draft, and then comes the pain, which is why I'm so excited to be playing FanDuel this season. I'm sure you're excited to be playing FanDuel. At least you have something in your life. Over FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Plus, FanDuel has never been more fun or easy to play. I've been playing their Gridiron Pickup Contest every week. It's a free contest where all you need to do is pick winners, no spreads. Then $10,000 is split amongst the top pickers. Bill talked about his lineup on uh, not doing so well on his podcast this week. I noticed he did not talk about his team not doing so well against mine. It's okay. (laughs) But trust me, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. Plus, new users get a $5 bonus when they make their first deposit. So come play with me at fanduel.com slash the ringer. That is fanduel.com slash the ringer. All right, TK. Uh, now we're going to run through a little lightning round of some other guys, waiver wire people that, you know, maybe you're considering picking up and we're just going to go whether we're in or out on them because, you know, we don't know your leagues quite the way you guys do, but we have thoughts. Right. <laughs> so, so we'll run through our thoughts and leave it to you what, guys to decide. Let's kick it off with Rashad Penny uh, from the Wait, Seahawks. Can we just quickly... What? Yeah, how did he get tips. there? Yeah, full-time Craig. <laughs> oh, wow, he must San have San Diego well. State alum, full-time Craig, <laughs> slipping this one in. I don't know what you're talking about. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even, I, my thoughts on him are established. The numbers speak for themselves. Like Blake Bortles, Rashad Penny thrives in London. <laughs> <laughs> thrives or survives? Same thing. So let's get into this. So Penny is still, I think, third on the totem there. Although he did get more touches this week than Mike Davis. So, so it was Carson 14 touches. Penny 11, Mike Davis 7, although I think part of that was that the Seahawks were dominating and they kind of just wanted to get Penny more involved. I'm personally still pretty low on him. I think, you know, if you want to add him, 
and hope for an injury in the other in the Seahawks other you know backfield or whatever. That's I think you know something that's worth doing. But um, I don't really see the sort of the breakdown of where these guys are playing changing much unless an injury happens. Now that's definitely possible, but um, I still think that Chris Carson and Mike Davis are more they look more dynamic, you know, for the first couple of weeks, and so. Um, I'm just waiting on Penny at this point. Yeah, how about like that game was just over and they didn't give a shit? Well, that's probably part of it. The, the, the Raiders definitely felt like they gave up and, a bit. I mean, Penny had one big play on a on a screen pass. I think he picked up like 20 yards. And actually, he was the fastest player on the field in that game on that play. So that's kind of interesting. But hmm. um, otherwise, to me, he didn't look that dynamic. <laughs> what, a, like, what a Michael Barbaro of the Daily <laughs> from uh, from Craig right there. That was... <laughs> <laughs> was that Craig? <laughs> was, oh, unbelievable. Even. Anyway, so much... Oh, moving on. All right, I feel... I'm going to... Albert Wilson of the Dolphins. This is the next person, and actually because in very opposite ways, I think of them similar for this week. Uh, Wilson obviously had an incredible game against the Bears. He had He's been playing 63% of snaps, but against the Bears, he had two incredibly long touchdowns with... Mm-hmm. Basically, he caught them for like behind the line of scrimmage and five yards, took them a combined like 120 yards downfield for two touchdowns. One of maybe the best open field runners in all football right now. So credit where credit's due. Um, he's amazing. He's by next gen stats and yards after catch. He's one of the best in the receiver, forcing missed tackles. By every metric you could want, he's an amazing runner. But I'm going to throw a little cold water in this. And like, I don't love him because I think to a certain degree, you some of these performances need to have a little predictability go forward to warrant adding. Right. Um, so somewhat similar to Rashad Penny. I don't, th- I mean, if you watch the plays, they're amazing, but like, you know, a shoestring away from just being very easily tackled. And I don't think anything about that is replicable necessarily, or at least not in a way that you're going to be able to project it going forward. I think you're much more likely to have him going five or six yards, or sorry, five or six points and just having fairly pedestrian games. I don't love the Dolphins offense. Maybe that's where I'm wrong, but I don't like the Dolphins. I don't like Albert Wilson. I'm sorry. I just don't think so they're, they're not using him enough. I mean, so... I was always wondering why the Dolphins signed Wilson in the offseason. And so when you dig into it, he's actually like one of the top run after the catch receivers in the NFL since he came into the NFL in 2014. In fact, uh, he's first among all receivers and missed tackles force per reception in, in the NFL since he came into the, into the league. Um, so, I mean, he's a really outstanding run after the catch receiver, but it just, they, they just don't use him enough. I don't think right now he only got 63% of snaps last week. They just seem to, I don't know, it's just one of those things like every team that annoys you, they just don't go to their best players. Quite. I mean, not, not not like he's necessarily their best player, but he's like a very dangerous run-after-catch guy. I just think they could utilize that a lot If more. you have a roster spot free and you just, you know, that's the best person you're waiting for, I understand it. Otherwise, I am hesi- I, I personally am hesitant about, you know, if he has three points yeah. next week, I, I feel like he's right back on the chopping block. He's one of those, he's actually one of those guys who I've picked up probably twice this year and then dropped. Well, maybe that's again. the jinx. Uh, yeah. The flip side of that, staying in the same game, Frank Gore, probably the opposite, probably the exact opposite upside physical profile and all this, but he's a starting running back. He had a great game this week, more than 100 yards. He had a touchdown. Uh, was better than Kenyon Drake, who fumbled, but in essence, he's owned in like ten, one out of 10 leagues in Yahoo and ESPN, 10% or 11% of ESPN. He's a starting running back. He is getting the most carries on a team. He needs to be owned. It's it, it's wild. Um, doesn't matter if he's not that efficient. He's owned. So it, it's really simple in that one. Um, but <laughs> yeah. next, more interesting ones. Looking to Dallas. Let's talk about Cole Beasley because he had a kind of a breakout game. 11 targets, 9 catches, 101, touch, uh, 101 yards, and 2 touchdowns last week. 
um, which is a huge jump from his numbers, basically, you know, weeks one through five of four. He just all of a sudden kind of came out of nowhere. Um, part of that could have been the fact that the, the Cowboys were playing against the Jaguars and kind of just decided to funnel everything to the inside of the field to avoid uh, A.J. Boye and, and Jalen Ramsey and all that. And so I think there's some of that involved. But at the same time, um, Prescott looked better than he had at, at any point, probably going back to maybe even 2016 or, or at least the early part of last year. Um, he just looked under control. They, they used him as a runner more. He was attacking downfield. I think he could be worth a, worth an ad just in the thought that maybe Dak finally turned the corner. But to me, that's about it. Like if you're confident that that Dak all of a sudden kind of figured it out and the and the the Cowboys offense has figured their figured out their problems, then then go ahead and add him. Otherwise, he's probably a really low ceiling kind of guy. But if the Cowboys offense has figured out their problems, okay, I think you probably know how I feel about that. In that case. Well, I mean, they did just drop forty burger on the one of the best defenses in the NFL. So I don't know what you take from that. All right, fine. Maybe I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> fine. Moving on. Uh, All right. Who's your last Willie, guy? Willie Sneed of the Ravens. Um, he's been so like obviously a couple of years ago he was a huge fantasy factor that dropped off precipitously, and now he's kind of just another guy. But over the last few weeks, um, he's averaged actually in the last three weeks he's averaged eight targets per game. He's kind of turned into Joe Flacco's. Uh, possession type receiver guy and it's one of those things where again he's probably a low ceiling guy but he's got a high floor because he's just getting targets and, and Flacco kind of d- depends on him and so I think he is definitely worth an ad he's worth having on your ro- on your roster um, to kind of just have for like a, a bye week or whatever because like I said he's got that that low floor that you know it's just kind of nice to get like maybe like eight or nine or ten points on on a week when you have no other options. And this is another dude who had a good 2016, was a huge popular sleeper in 2017, but never really materialized with the Saints because he missed some time. And then this year, just everyone forgot about him and kind of wrote him off. And right. now actually just assume, oh, the Ravens will be bad, but he's been pretty good this year. So I like that. All about the yeah. post type. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. G Suite is a suite of cloud-based productivity tools that includes Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, and Drive. These tools improve your work life, both in terms of your experience and the outputs you create. Hence their new campaign, Make It with G Suite. You know when you have like 20 identical versions of a document labeled final and no clue which is the latest, so you got to make another version, and that one is final, final. Well, with G Suite by Google Cloud, a range of work apps like Gmail, Docs, and Slides let you make real-time updates to the same document without having to keep track of version after version after version after version of a project. And since all the tools are cloud-based, your whole team can access the same document and work on the same page at the same time. This is how we do everything at The Ringer, and it is the most amazing workflow ever. I don't know how mm-hmm. we would do anything without this stuff. It's actually incredible. Um, to find out more about G Suite's productivity tools, visit gsuite.com. That is gsuite.com. Make it with G Suite by Google Cloud. All right, DK. I'm very excited for this. I have a, a simple question for you. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm expecting a complicated answer, but Melvin Gordon has been so good. Would you trade him away? <laughs> yeah, so that um like you said that that's not an easy answer. I think the the easy answer I would give you right away is no. I mean, he, to me he looks like the kind of guy that you ride to a championship, you know, in the in the in the Todd Gurley-esque kind of role or even Alvin Kamara. So, 
But I think you have to take a bigger picture look at just the Chargers offense in general, like what they're doing this year, um, to kind of get a get a better idea whether he can continue doing that. So first of all, Phillip Rivers is playing some of his best football of his entire career. I mean, he's just on point. Right now, he's third in touchdowns with 15, third in yards per attempt, 8.8, second in pass rating, which would be a career high, 115.1. He's And the other thing that Rivers has figured out over the last couple of years that's been a huge factor for him is he's not taking any sacks anymore. Like right now, he's fourth in sack percentage, just 3.5%. Um, last year, he led the NFL in sack percentage. So he's just getting rid of the football, you know, not taking sacks, not doing those um, drive-killing type sacks, and so that's been huge. On, right now, he's on pace for 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. So he's kind of the obvious um, foundation of a, what looks like a really good offense. Basically, right now, coming into the week, they were third in offensive DVOA, um, you know, behind the Rams and the Chiefs, obviously. Which is efficiency per play. Right. And they just beat up on what was the second best defense per DVOA in the Browns. And so like, they're probably going to go up quite a bit. And so they're, they're probably never going to catch what the Rams and the chiefs are doing offensively this season. But I mean, they're a top three offense right now. And I think Gordon has a lot to do with that. Yeah. So how have they been using Gordon differently? Cause obviously an amazing college career and then hasn't quite been the guy like this kind of guy yet. So what, what changed this season or did anything change this season? Well, I mean, I think the big thing that did change was he made it a huge focus during the off season to become a better pass catcher. I know he worked with LaDainian Tomlinson um, on like routes and like hands and things like that over the off season. Obviously LaDainian Tomlinson is an excellent, was an excellent pass catcher, hall of fame, yeah. you know, running back. But sometimes this so. is lip service and they're everyone's in the best shape of their lives and stuff. But totally. They're really changing the usage so far. Well, I don't know, like, you know, schematically, they actually kind of remind me of the Rams offense a little bit. I mean, when I was when I turned on the tape, because I wrote about them last week, when you turn on the tape, there's some actual similarities to what Sean McVay does. Number one, like, they use a lot of tight splits, so their receivers all line up real real close into the line and, and then spread the field at the snap and go out, and it, it just kind of opens things up downfield. And so you're getting the um, benefit of, like, you lined a, lo- a lot of tight ends there, so you get the people in the box, but then you still have the personnel to shred that those types of sets, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it allows you to attack the outside a lot easier. Just kind of, it changes what the defense can do. In fact, it, it, it sometimes it makes what the defense can do, they have to check into simpler stuff because the the alignments of the defenders and stuff like that. And so... They're doing a lot of that. They're doing some of the um, pre-snap jet sweep stuff that you see with, you know, that's so prevalent with the Rams. In fact, Keenan Allen had a couple of jet sweeps in this in this last week. And, he had four carries. Know, yeah, and so he actually Keenan Allen had more rushing yards than the than the Browns, I think, in this last game. And <laughs> Wait, so, what? so they're using that to their advantage. They, wow. you know, Philip Rivers has been excellent on play action. They don't use nearly as much play action as the Rams do, but Philip Rivers has been really good on play action, and then. The other thing that's huge is they're using that play action to run screens. And, and some of these screens, you know, obviously McVeigh's sort of next level genius on, on scheming up screenplays, but there are screenplays you see uh, them draw up for Melvin Gordon where it's like you can kind of see Todd Gurley-esque like open field prowess with Gordon. And so there's just, to me, there's a lot of similarities. Right now, he's on pace for 80 catches, 744 yards and eight touchdowns in the air, in addition to 1,240 yards, 16 touchdowns on the ground. So to me, Gordon, I'm not going to say he looks like Gurley because Gurley is you know, just a special elite player. But Gordon, to me, is not that far off in terms of 
the way they're using him, his production is way up there too. And so far, I mean, it doesn't seem to be slowing down. I think he's just like a huge foundation of what they're doing on offense. And they really want to make him a more balanced guy. And he's actually kind of, I don't know, you know, it's like he's almost their number two receiver because last year, obviously Hunter Henry was a big part of the passing game. I think they've almost kind of like used him in a similar way that they were going to use uh, Hunter Henry in the sense that like he's running those routes just over the middle of the field. He's, he's rivers security blanket, things like that. And so I think, you know, he's just having a huge year in that, in that respect. Yeah. Without Hunter Henry, the big question is where those targets going to go. And they haven't gone to Mike Williams or people as we thought, but they're going to Gordon. So you're saying Gordon's basically number two running back in football Probably wouldn't deal straight up for anyone except Gurley. Uh, so, well, I mean, you got to throw Kamara in there, and obviously, you know, Saquon Barkley is also very good. But um, I just think at this point, I wouldn't trade Gordon because he's the kind of guy I think who could get you like six touchdowns in the last two weeks and help you win your league. Okay, so flipping that around, then while the Chargers doing all these new things and more creative things than maybe they've done in the past with formations and also their personnel and stuff, they're spreading the ball around more which is cool, but Keenan Allen, who we mentioned, has <laughs> been cool. frustrated. It is cool. You mock man. Oh, I love it. I, I had so much fun watching Damn. the offense, so yeah. Oh, fine. I see how it is. It's okay. Whelming. Uh, but <laughs> anyone who has Keenan Allen this year kind of knows that he's been really bad since week one from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, he's still incredible. He's getting those carries. He looks to me the same dude. It's just my, my personal thing is it seems that they're just spreading it out more. Right. Um, so my question, he also kind of had a slow start last year, but then just exploded. So would you try to buy low on Keenan Allen right now? Or do you think that this is just, not he's a different player, but he's being used in a different way. And the offense is overall increasing, but his share of the pie is, he's probably a better real life football player in terms of what he forces other defenses to do than what he's actually yeah. producing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think they probably are using him a little bit like a, a decoy. I mean, he's their number one guy, you know, no doubt as a receiver. And, you know, he's going to draw number one corner typically against, you know, all their opponents. And so that that's a factor. In the previous years, you know, Rivers has really, really force-fed him. Like, he's an amazing player, but at the same time, Rivers was force-feeding him because he just really trusted him. It seems like this year, I, you know, Rivers maybe is just more comfortable with the rest, with the rest of their pass-catching core because we see, you know, like Mike Williams has been a bigger factor at times. Tyrell Williams last week was, you know, he had three catches, I think 112 yards and two touchdowns. And he's he's kind of reaping the benefits of drawing the, you know, other guys in the secondary. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's gonna change at all. I I don't know if I would necessarily trade for Keenan Allen. And, and right now it's gonna be kind of hard to get good value for Allen because his you know, I think his value is depressed right now. And on that note, as someone who paid probably a little too much fab, uh, like free agent auction money for Mike Williams and then now sees Tyrell Williams go off and now people are probably going to pick up Tyrell Williams. I don't actually like either of them anymore to play because I just think it's, there's a certain randomness to how you can execute these guys and unlike maybe the Falcons where there's just a somewhat predictable kind of flow of volume in a way that the Chargers are the receivers because of the way their offense works and how much they rely on Gordon. Um, You don't really know if Tyrell Williams or Mike Williams will be the wide receiver three that day or who's really going to be winning their matchups and stuff. And it's really hard to predict, not to mention how hard it is to actually catch those downfield throws. You know, Not every time you get three deep throws, you're going to catch all three. <laughs> all right, so all I don't right. actually, I wouldn't chase those numbers anymore. Obviously, Mike Williams is physically gifted, but that doesn't really mean anything in fantasy. I'm with you because I think, I mean, if you look at 
I don't have Williams' numbers right in front of me, but I mean, it's like he's really boomer bust. Uh, well, both both Williams, for that matter. I was talking about Mike Williams, but they're they're kind of touchdown dependent at this point to be fantasy factors, and uh, you just kind of hate to char- you hate to chase that, especially when you know the Chargers are kind of scheming up ways to get Gates involved, even Virgil Green, um, and then obviously we haven't even talked about Austin Eckler, who is one of their best offensive players. Frankly, I mean, he's like incredibly explosive. He's been a factor in the passing game. He's, you know, I think he plays around 35% of the snaps. You know, they're using him on the same, on the field at the same time as Gordon. Sometimes they're using him in, you know, to, to spell Gordon and others. He's just kind of this explosive guy that they use in, in different various ways to get, you know, just explosive plays. And so, yeah, there's just kind of a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, you know, for fantasy, apart from the, you know, the, the main pillars of their offense, obviously, with with Rivers and, and Gordon and and Keenan Allen, it's just kind of hard to predict anyone else in that in that offense at this point. Okay, so Phil Rivers is legit. Melvin Gordon is legit. Keep him. Uh, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's not worth whatever he was. You know what was he an early second rounder usually or something like that? So He's let not, me ask you guys: Is Keenan Allen a sell while you can guy? That's tough. No, I think you have to wait. Actually, Riley McEntee, who's our editor, like was RIP. Um, he's still your editor, but I miss him. But he said this <laughs> week, um, you can't do anything with him. You can't. You can't bench him. It's hard to play him. You can't trade him. You can't cut him. Uh, you kind of <laughs> yeah, have to just, you know, suck it up and play him. Which is wait till he goes off and then trade him. Maybe. Yes, I guess? that's what I'd say. Is you wait <laughs> for him to go off. You watch that game. You watch the. Highlights from that game, you determine if it's like random or you just think it's like, all right, this was coming. You'll probably know then whether you want to deal them while you can or not. That's just kind of how I think about most things, to be honest, is <laughs> if you were going to trade someone, just wait for them to go off. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, actually, I'll just, before we break, I think the Chargers are going to be in the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. I got them. So you think they're going to come out of the AFC, huh? Yes. My preseason Super Bowl prediction was Saints over Chargers. It was a rough... <laughs> Rough beginning in September. <laughs> I'm sticking with it, DK. So I actually I think I'm I went in. with I think I went with Saints over Patriots. So I think so many people just turn this podcast off hearing hearing those things. <laughs> I think everyone maybe we just the tarnished Saints. everything. And the Saints just heard defense before. was dope last year. I don't know what happened, but yeah, they don't either. Uh, all right, but I think that's all the time we got. Thank you, DK. We'll hear from you, you on Friday. Till then, peace, man. Thanks again to FanDuel. We're so excited to be playing on FanDuel this football season. DK more excited than I. Over at FanDuel, we get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Plus, they have tons of ways to play, like the Gridiron Pick'em Contest, where you just pick winners, no spreads, and then $10,000 is split amongst the top pickers. Trust me, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is the clear place to play. And new users get a $5 bonus when they make their first deposit. So come play with me at FanDuel.com slash The Ringer, or if you want to win, play with DK. That is FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. 